Blog Talk Radio. How are we doing, everybody, today? This is Jim Ventura, your host of Snake Oil Radio. Welcome to my show. If you're catching the show live, welcome, or if you're going to catch it later on in archives, um, happy to have you here one way or another. Uh, so a little quick note about me, and then I'm going to kind of dive into what our show is about today. Again, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant. I work with astrology and numerology and different oracles. I am a writer, author. I've got a column I do called Snake Oil, which goes out about every two months to my people on my mailing list. Uh, you can add it to that newsletter by emailing me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com. And uh, I do a lot of different social media, uh, but um, information about my services can be found at JimVenture.com. Uh, enough sales on me today. Most of you have caught my previous show, so you know who I am. So we've got a very exciting show today. Uh, every few months I like to do an interview show with an up-and-coming or already established star, <laughs> and we have one here today. So shortly I'm going to introduce you to my, uh, my guest today, who is uh, Master Healer Megan Edge, and um, she's going to talk a bit about the different work that she does, and we're going to do an interview for about a half hour or so. Uh, the show is an hour today, and then we're going to um, potentially open up the phone lines uh, so you'll be able to ask Megan questions uh, if you'd like, and again, let's a little later on for that. For now, we're going to take care of the interview part of the show so you get to know all about Megan here. So I want to welcome you here today. Megan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jim. Thank you so much for the invitation to be on your show with you. Yes. Uh, where are you calling in from? Are you, I don't know, I think you might be Canadian. Am I getting that wrong? <laughs> you are absolutely right. I am Canadian. I'm calling in from the west coast of Canada in a little city called Victoria, British Columbia. Gotcha. All righty. Um, okay, so our neighbors to the north, where I'm, I don't know how cold are you uh, at this point. <laughs> well, at this moment we're having a very rare cold snap, and we've got about six inches of snow that's been falling for the last two days. All right. I, I, I guess I'll, 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 I'll irritate you by telling you that it's 73 degrees in Phoenix here today. So uh, we're, yeah, I've got the doors Thank and the windows. Thank you for open. that. I can, yeah, I can, I can feel the heat. <laughs> yeah, well, you can, you can absorb it through osmosis accordingly. So, uh, right. okay, so, you know, thanks for, for joining me today. Um, I want you, you know, I know uh, one of the things uh, that you sent me information about was you created uh, the Heart's Journey Oracle Cards. Very interested in talking about that. But before we kind of dive into that specifically, I always like to ask my guests, you know, like the universal question, how did you, you know, what is, is kind of your brief story about how you got involved in, in this type of work? In, in the healing work? Yeah. So, I, you know, it's interesting. I've always had that inclination. As a little girl, I would be the one saving the bugs or the birds or the worms after the rainstorm. I was always looking after and looking out for um, creatures and, and people in my world who needed my help. And I, I began to notice as I became a young adult that I was often the one counseling my friends or the stranger in the lineup who would suddenly start telling me their life story. 
And when I got to university, my my um, direction, I wanted to become an anthropologist, actually. But I stumbled upon a couple of women's studies classes, and that was really what catapulted me into the realization that, first of all, the world isn't always as it seems, but secondly, that the way in which I could interpret and understand people's difficulties and struggles was a way that I could show up in the world and be of service, that this was a way that I could, I could help people. So I started to, I changed my major and I, I went into social work and um, counseling, especially trauma counseling, and, and always tapping into that intuitive part of, of myself, my ability to be able to connect the dots for people and also be able to offer solutions that were achievable so that people could in fact heal from whatever it was that they were dealing with in their life. And it, and it really, it just, it went from there. It was me asking myself and then, you know, looking around at what was available. How can I offer healing that is permanent, that is deep and that is significant to the people who are, who are being drawn to, to me? Um, I found that mainstream psychology and mainstream counseling limited at, in a certain way. Like once we got to a certain place in a person's healing, there weren't the tools to go further or deeper or to create permanent and lasting healing in, in many cases. And so then I started to look for alternative forms of healing, like intuitive counseling or um, energy healing and, and really tapping into that more holistic spiritual approach to the ways in which we can be well, you know, both mentally and physically and energetically. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I the, the I want to uh, I want to kind of interject something uh, about what you just said because I think it's real interesting. You know, I, I, I've seen this pattern before. I certainly have experienced it myself, and and from time to time that you mentioned about you know kind of wanting to sort of protect insects and bugs and animals at a young age. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. that's one, that's one little note I took as you were talking. Uh, and the, uh, the second is, um, people asking you for advice, even when you were younger. Um, mm-hmm. again, I went through very similar type of thing. I was just to joke about that. It'd be eight years old and some 16 year old would be asking me for my advice about something. Uh, and I think something, and I, I have a theory on that that I'll get to in a minute here, where I think that that comes from. And also another thing that you said that, again, I find real interesting, but I think is somewhat of a commonality, too, for people that end up really moving into these types of fields is to really poke around in traditional psychology and then ultimately find it limiting in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I went through in college, I took psychology classes thinking I would just love it. You know, and I mm-hmm. hated it, hated it. Mm. I mean, I ended up dropping that major and going to advertising, art, and marketing, <laughs> you know, just to, like, be you know, good at that, too. You know what I mean? And I, mm-hmm. so it was really, like, a quandary about, like, I should want to, you know, um, I should love, you know, psychology. And, and there's good elements of psychology. I'm, I'm sure you would agree with that, mm-hmm. with that question. I just think that, um Again, my, the way I phrase that in my mind is I think, like, psychology itself is a young um, uh, form. You know I mean, it's mm-hmm. only been around years or so, you know what I mean, you know, maybe more, 150 years, whereas, like, if you're right. looking into, you know, tarot or dream work and runestones and 
and and Reiki and all these things. I mean, some of these are hundreds and hundreds of years. You know what I mean? If, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If not thousands, thousands, in some yeah, cases, yeah. In terms of being around. I think there's something sort of universal in that as well, too. But I also think it's cool to sort of have dipped in to that pool in that sense as well to, to look at, at, at what comes, you know, from that uh, accordingly. So, again, just wanted mm-hmm. to share that, my perspective on that, too. Um, so, uh, you know, it looks like you've got quite a lot of different um, studies under your belt, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, uh, maybe talk a little bit about some of the ones that were quote dear and dear to your heart. Sure, yeah, I'm I'm the sort of person who loves to learn. I always want to know more. And what I have found over the years is that if I study a, a healing modality or a, a perspective on the world, and it helps me, I want to find a way that I can then share that with others. And so, in a similar vein, that mainstream psychology has its time and place, but also, as I've experienced, can be limiting in what it offers people. I, I have often found in my studies of metaphysical healing that those healing modalities can often present as equally rigid. And what I started to do was, as I was taking my, say, my Reiki levels, I'm a Reiki master, um, doing my Reiki training or doing my energy medicine training, I loved learning everything I could about it, and then when I started to feel that it was limiting me in the, term, in the way that I um, connect with my intuition and allow healing information to come through me, I would then take the foundation that I had learned, say the, the, the rules, you know, the nuts and bolts of, of Reiki, for example, in the traditional way that it was taught to me, and then I would change it. I would allow it to morph into something um, unique to the way that I was showing up in the world. So, in fact, I've created healing modalities from all of the modalities that I've studied. And I have a healing modality that's called intuitive energy massage. It's a three-level training that people go through. And similar to how I learned Reiki, there's a set of instructions. And then once they've understood why those instructions are in place, what's the purpose of them in terms of the whole healing modality, I then encourage my students to take it and make it their own, you know, keep the foundation, but add things to it. Maybe you add a, you know, Indian head massage or you add some essential oils to the foot massage portion of it. I encourage them to make it their own. And the reason that I do that is because I know that each of us has our own, our own capacities. You know, we have the things that we're really good at, that we're really drawn to. And it's not my place to limit someone else's way of showing up as a healer or someone else's way of, of being able to, to be healed. So, you know, I can give you a list of all the various trainings that I've done and certifications that I have, but at the end of the day, what matters to me is that I've got a toolkit, my healer's toolkit, and in there are so many different things that I can, I can reference, I can pull out, I can offer to somebody else when I'm creating their unique kind of healing package, for lack of a better word, or healing approach. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really that's, that's how I do my healing work and the way that I learn and, and then equally the way that I teach, I teach others. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, you know, again, another kind of thing I caught that you mentioned, um, which I, I find interesting, it's been bobbing through my own brain for, the, for many years, but 
certainly in the last couple of weeks on top of it is, you know, as an example, you, know, you talked about kind of tailoring these modalities to an individual and sometimes mm-hmm. using multiple and multiple angles and ways. You know, I always tell people kind of two things, even when I talk to people in sessions, you know, it's a different conversation with different people in mm-hmm. terms of I tailor that, that conversation with, with someone changes. And uh, similar to you, I've got a lot of different tools I've worked with dependent on uh, the person. But what I find, again, kind of also, you know, interesting is I find you had said something that was, you know, really uh, interesting to me in that sense, too, is about how even with some healing modalities, sometimes people get very rigid, too, mm-hmm. in Go and you know, for instance, I have a friend of mine, and I love her dearly, and she she really gets into um, using um, like supplements, you know, vitamin mm-hmm. D, K, have supplements for healing the body, and I think it's great. There's a lot of ways to heal the body, you know, using different types of supplements, but in that same vein, there are times sometimes I catch her getting very like um, rigid about that being the only way, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. For me, I'll I'll try supplements and I and they often do work. You know, I mean, as do many mm-hmm. modalities. But I would say I'm I'm ultimately like a lazy human being, and I'm not going to take 37 supplements every day. <laughs> I'm just not. It's sort of like reminds me like when I was yeah. a kid, my parents had their like pill cases mm-hmm. of all the mm-hmm. pills. Took, you know what I mean? And so yeah. while like herbs and things like that, way better, way better, way better. No argument. <laughs> you know, to all of that. Um, <laughs> find that same thing. I get very almost sort of rigid, not rigid, but like uncomfortable about this idea that I have to pop myself with a million things every day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. that well, and I, I've seen that in books with people talking about medication. You know, this is how you have to do it exactly, you know, right. and, and these steps you have to take. And I think sometimes it works, but I think human beings sometimes do need a certain amount of flexibility in that way. So I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear you say that. Because that's one of the first things I noticed when I was kind of reviewing your profile was there was a lot of different things that you did. And, yeah. you know, in actual terms, I would call that mutability. You know, I mean, just having strong mm-hmm. mutability. As you chart, you know what I mean, where you can multitask and you can look at different things. Um, and yeah. some people, they perceive that as being fickle, that you keep jumping from thing to thing. But, I, you know, you can become an expert in multiple areas, and then they become almost cross-reference points where exactly. you can you know, go from right from one place to another. You know, one client, Turo, may work excellent. You know what I mean? Another client may not be comfortable with that, you know, and, and another be right. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and my whole approach is a holistic approach. It's the recognition and understanding that we are more than the sum of our parts, and we don't we don't end at our skin. You know, we don't stop and start at our skin. This is a multiplex um, system that that we live in within our bodies, and also extending beyond our bodies into our energy field. So the, when when somebody goes through my healing course, I have a program called the Confident Healer, and it's a year-long intensive certification for, for women to become healers, to do the work that similar to what I do. The approach is, is one of, of looking at mind, body, and soul. So somebody graduates from that program, they are a mind, body, and soul healer. Because for someone to achieve that deep and permanent healing that I was talking about at the beginning, all aspects 
have to be addressed. All aspects have to be acknowledged. When a person goes through a traumatic experience in their life, whether it's emotional or physical, the impact isn't just at the site of the trauma. The impact reverberates through all of our systems. And it, it imprints right down to the cellular level. And in some cases, it imprints through lifetimes. So this is where I'm saying that it may, the way that mainstream psychology and psychiatry is designed, it's designed to deal with the, the moment and then the symptoms that occur after that moment. What mind, body, and soul healing is designed to do is to look at the depth of the experience at the physical level, emotional, energetic, spiritual, soul, and address each of those wounds in each of those levels. That's how we achieve this deep and permanent healing. And in that deep and permanent healing, it isn't that the event ceases to exist for the person. It's that their relationship to the event, the reason for it being in their lives and the impact of it and the residue of it changes when we look at it from that, that perspective of it's, it's a relationship and it's in every system in our body. And that's, that's yeah. why I come at it, that the whole idea of healing from this very personal place, because, of course, each person's experience of their trauma or their pain or their injury is unique to them. And I want to be able to have all those tools at, at my disposal. And, you know, it's interesting, as I was growing up and I was, I was changing from job to job, career to career, I was looking for that thing that was really going to speak to me. And I remember having this aha moment where I thought, well, wow, okay, I've been a geologist and I've been a, you know, a psychologist, a social work, I've done uh, trauma counseling, I've been in retail, I've worked in the banks, I've worked in horticulture. I've... One day, I remember saying to myself, one day all of these different things that I've done are all going to come together into an approach, a way of my showing up in the world and doing my work. And that's exactly what I manifested because all of those various things that seem so different, i I pull into the work that I do in one way or another. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, you know, I think nothing's wasted in that sense. In other words, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, I humorously say I'm all over the place too. I was a waiter, I was a bartender. You know, when people ask what I do for a living, it's like, there's like nine things. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I have to kind of, in terms of, you know, modalities. And then they're always like, oh, I'm just an accountant. I'm like, oh, no, that's awesome. Now you're just an account. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. but what, I always said that too. I went to school for advertising, art, and marketing. I knew I was never going into that field. There was no way I was going to do marketing ads for pharmaceuticals. I mean, I knew mm-hmm. that as a child. I was not to do it. Yeah. But <laughs> as, a, as a person in, in my field, because I had advertising um, uh, skills and marketing skills, I'm so much mm-hmm. better than a lot of marketing that you know a lot of people that are intuitives and psychics have no ability to market you know mm-hmm. what I mean just because yeah geared to that so I think nothing's wasted in that sense and you know and again I, you know, I take it all from a storyteller's perspective as well too like everything you went mm-hmm. through is part of your history and that adds to more empathy in how you help and affect people um, because you mm-hmm. can be empathetic they went through because you may have a shared, you know, connection to that. You know, and the other thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I heard you talking about too that I think is significant is, you know, like looking at what healing is for different people. And I'm a, you know, firm advocate that I don't really know if we can necessarily change our past, whether we had trauma around it 
um, mm-hmm. or, um, but change how we perceive the trauma. Like, you mm-hmm. know, one of the I've used so much of my life weirdly um, is humor. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll talk about that was very traumatic 30 years ago that I went through, and I'm, like, laughing about it now. People are like, are you insane? And I was like, no, you don't <laughs> understand. My, I jokingly say, the me of today would never do that again. <laughs> like yeah. in a million years, you know what I mean? Like, like it's almost humorous to me that I would ever do mm-hmm. something like that. Like when I, when I, you mm-hmm. know, uh, when I first moved out here, I, I moved here literally with a criminal who I, you know, when I was oh. 24 years old, New York to Phoenix, and I was going to save you and help you. And you know I mean, so it was such a, I want to get into the detail of the trauma that went connected with that. No surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, in a weird way, it turned out to be beneficial for me because one, I can spot a criminal in like nine seconds, you know, mm-hmm. from experience. And two, you know, I kind of like went through that when I was 24, 25 versus, you know, I hear stories of, you know, someone getting ripped off when they're 60 years old by some guy online, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, At least, I think that there's different ways to handle you know, trauma, and, and I think you, you're on point about that, about really figuring out what a person actually needs from you in that sense and shaping it. And that's where I think some of that mutability of multiple angles to take really actually strengthens your abilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and even with that said, there are going to be people out there who are not a fit. I'm not a fit for them. They're not a fit for me. There's another modality that I don't know that is going to be better for them. And so they'll be drawn to the person who has that capacity to help them in whatever way that that is. So when I, when I teach my courses, I, one of the things that is really fundamental is the concept of collaboration versus competition. You know, there's, there are, there's no lack of people in the world who need help and are looking for healing. So there never needs to be any competition between healers as far as I'm concerned. Right. Yeah, and, and especially supply. because I'm not, I'm not here to heal them all. Like, go find someone else to heal you if, it's, if what I do is not for you. That's totally cool. I'm, a, I'm 100% okay with that, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, that's why, you know, I refer people out. I talk to people and, you know, I'll have a client. I talk to them and they say, you know, I went to this other woman and she does this kind of thing and I talked to her and I can see them kind of looking at me a little bit like if I'm going to be upset with them. <laughs> and I'm always mm-hmm. like, no, cross-reference and talk to different people, you know, in that sense, mm-hmm. you know, if they help you from a whole nother angle. But I agree in that same sense. I, I used to joke about that, that as long as parents keep traumatizing children and torturing them accordingly, uh, my business never ends. Meaning, you know what I mean? There's so many traumas and people are like, oh, horrible. I'm like, no, I'm just telling you, I don't know anyone that doesn't have something that they're working through in, in different degrees from their past or even in the present mm-hmm. that they're trying to me, welcome to being human. You yeah. know, it's, yeah, exactly. You know, um, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I, 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 again, like I said, I don't get as competitive as other people do, which I know people find very weird in that respect as well, too. But I, I agree with you completely. Um, I may be a great vehicle for someone for a while, and they, they do move on to another mm-hmm. teacher or healer. And then on top of it, I mean, if you've done your job well, you know, and, and you've helped them, I mean, they don't necessarily really need you anymore either. You know, they may exactly. want to check in from – 
on. But like it's like the it's like the put sending the baby bird out to fly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that's what such a bug thing that was bothered me about a lot of psychiatry. I talked to clients and they're like, Well, I see my psychiatrist twice a week and I've been seeing him for seventeen years. Uh <laughs> Twice a week for 17 years, you don't seem much better. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Something's not working here, except for for the psychiatrist. I mean, and no offense to any psychiatrists out there, but yeah, no. that's some good I've income. Met, <laughs> right, I've, I've met. Well, this is just good. I don't want to. Yeah, I, I don't want to encourage a dependency on me from anybody. I want to empower the people who come to be to work with me. I want to empower them to understand that they are the ones who are doing the healing, right? Yeah. That capacity is, is, in, is, them, is in them. And this is when I say, you know, there's so many different ways to heal because there are so many different ways to be a, a human being. And at the end of the day, my job is done if the person leaves my, my space feeling like they've got the tools that they need to do it on their own until such time as right. they might need help again, which we always do. It's not to create a dependency. And if somebody is still coming to me after four months or six months or a year every single week, I'm going to tell them that maybe we need to stop working together because something's gotten stuck. Something isn't progressing, right? And they may, maybe, maybe they need to see someone else and get some new energy to come in to their story. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I think, like I said, I, for me, I, I may see a client once a month. You know, I have some people I see quarterly, you know what I mean? But I get, sometimes I mm-hmm. just go through that. They're not making any decisions without checking in with me. And I, I don't mm-hmm. want that to happen either. You know what I mean, it, it becomes, yeah. like I said, tendency in a, in a whole nother way. And I think um, that people do have to learn to ultimately trust themselves. But, you know, I have a, I have a theory about this, and we'll see where you fit in with this too. I always think that a lot of it, you know, looking at, your history of all the things you've studied and have worked through as an example and, and and what you briefly talked about, you know, about your own childhood and, you know, in your initial movement into this arena. I always, I sort of theorize that it has a lot to do with what I call being an older soul Mm. where the soul has been around enough bodies, enough times and enough places to have acquired quite a bit of knowledge in a different type of a disposition. You know, I was joking (laughs) called being like a, and an old woman even when you were 10 in a way right. where there was you that was like you know what I mean yeah. and I my theory on that is I I think that one of the things that can make a good healer when talking to an older soul is there's something about it that often is very almost relaxing to people to talk to mm-hmm. an old soul you know I get this a lot from people like what I hear often is that people tend to feel either they're intimidated by me if they're totally crazy or more often than not, those are the really crazy ones that feel like you can see through them and you're judging mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Well, I can see mm-hmm. judging it. You know what I mean? We're all dysfunctional. Yeah. care. Or yeah. the other thing I guess you may have some of this too is like people tend to feel very safe around me. You know, mm-hmm. like there's something that feels very safe. And, you know, I can jokingly say, well, maybe it's being a 210-pound boxer that makes people a little safe in that context. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's no. that, that sort of old perspective about things. Mm-hmm. And I just also think that every problem, for the most part, can be solved. There's a solution will. for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Yep. Yeah, there's a solution for everything. And I imagine that people who are working with you, the the experience that they're having of you, Jim, is that you're not judging them. So they come to you and they feel safe because they know they're not being judged. Yeah, that's exactly it. So many of our experiences, we're being, in so many of our experiences, others are judging us and we take that on as our own experience of ourselves. When we stop doing that, we stop judging others. We don't, people can come and see who they are with us. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of the methods that I sometimes do, like I I will joke about almost anything, literally. Like there's mm-hmm. almost no subject off kilter for me in that way, and I usually mm-hmm. will make people – and people sometimes wonder why I do that, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to help you puncture balloons too. <laughs> that let go of that idea of being so um, reactive to people and things around you as if people are judging you. I mean, even if they are – you know, again, I, my, I always, my, one of my running jokes is that if a right-wing, obsessive, fire and brimstone, born-again Christian in Alabama doesn't approve of you, of uh, me, certainly you for that matter, too, um, how do I feel? About, I, I sleep like a baby. I don't give a crap. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to me. They're exactly perfect the way that they are, you know what I mean, in their yes. belief and where they are own evolution. I don't care. You know what I mean? My, my, my existence yeah. doesn't depend on somebody, you know, disapproving of me, you know. That's um, right. So I think it's it, it can take a bit to get there. And again, I just, my theory is I think for older souls, you know, you often start out feeling like a total weirdo because, mm-hmm. you know, and then as falls, you're like, you know, maybe I'm not really actually a weirdo. Maybe I'm kind of like surprisingly brilliant in some ways, you know, in the in the <laughs> way that I... I can't say. When I was a kid, you said the thing about taking care of animals. You know, I remember when I was mm-hmm. like 10 years old, dad asked me to paint the fence in our yard, you know, painted a coat mm-hmm. of paint. And, you know, yeah. when I came a couple of spiders with a spider's web, I like caught oh. the spiders up and moved them to a different area so that I didn't have to yeah. kill them <laughs> and painted. Yeah. Yep. What a weirdo that I am. <laughs> That I did that. You know what I mean? That from I a still kid, do that. Wrong with me. You know what I mean? And else we just painted mm-hmm. over them, or you know, what I, mean? I was like, eh, let me. I don't, I don't have to hurt them. Why would I do that? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely, and and that that translates into the way in which you are in the world. There's a gentleness about you. There's a caring quality that people pick up on, and whether they're conscious of it or not, they feel like it's okay. And they can let their guard down and they can share their story with you and they know you're going to hear them and you know, and they know that in you hearing them, the story changes in that moment. And sometimes for the very first time ever, because they can tell the story differently. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I, I completely concur. I think, um, like I said, that's why I, I tend to take a bit of a lighter view. You know, I was explaining this too. I would wonder how you feel about this too. You know, I talk to so many people going through different types of depression, mm-hmm. and I tell people maybe this is a weird thing about me, and I'm just poking to see where you're at with this too. Like sometimes I'll feel depressed, like maybe for a little bit, or an hour or two. Um, mm-hmm. But I have this weird where it like it doesn't linger that long. In fact, if I go to sleep right. and I and I go to bed and I wake up the next morning, I'm always not depressed anymore. Like the right. dream stays quick for me. You know, mm-hmm. um, people mm-hmm. like that's very like, no, I don't know what a long gated depression is. 
You know what I mean? When I was a kid, maybe I had that. But as a as a spiritual person, you know, my joke I always say is, how can I be upset when there's coffee and cake, and I have a Vegas trip in two <laughs> weeks too? I don't even know how, because yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and there's a good TV show on or something. I don't, I can't hang to depression very long. And I, it took me a while to understand, like that was something that had a lot to do with all the spiritual work that I had done, where there's a weird mm-hmm. feeling of sin in life that maybe other people don't feel. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, I have a personal theory about depression and that, it, and not just like little, you're feeling sad one day because, you know, I don't know, something happened and you feel sad, but where people drop into these very dark places, it, it also hasn't been part of my journey to have those kinds of experiences, but I've worked very extensively with clients who have been in those depressive states. And, and I think what, well, I, what I believe is that what underlies depression in every single case is grief. It's unresolved yeah. grief. And unresolved grief can create chemical imbalances in the brain. I mean, this is where I'm talking about the whole mind-body-soul connection. And so if somebody is carrying this deep, deep grief, and they don't have a way of assaging that, it will show up as depression. And and the depression is the inability to engage with the world around you and creating that isolation, that sense of isolation. And and we can say it's it's illusionary, but we're not in it. You know, for somebody who's in it, it's very, very real. And it takes a willingness on the part of the soul of that person to to engage in something other than the mindset that they have that they've gotten themselves to or that they find themselves in. And right. the thing about that kind of grief is that it can be grief that comes from lifetimes. It might not be just this lifetime. The things that have happened in this lifetime may be because of the experiences that the soul had in a previous lifetime or a different lifetime where that grief wasn't healed. And so it was brought back into the human experience for the opportunity for it to be healed. And I've had clients sit in my office, Jim, who, in, my, in my healing space, who have been on medication for decades, have been told it's always going to be like this and nothing's ever going to change. And we do the work and they get off those medications and they re-engage with the world. It's incredible to see. And so I know deep depression can be healed. And again, like that permanent deep healing, not just the give it a Band-Aid and hope that if we treat the symptoms, the cause will go away. We have to find the cause, you know, and that's, that's the work that we, right. that we do with it. So that's my theory about, how, you know, where that depression comes from. And then once we can, if, if we choose to believe that that's true, okay, depression is caused by unresolved grief, then we have somewhere to go. We go to the grief, and right. we do the work around the grief, and we identify it, and we understand it, and we, we release it in whatever way. You know, we use all the tools in, in the toolkit to bring relief from the grief, and then, then there doesn't need to be the depression. The depression has served its purpose at that point. Right. Yeah, and, you know, and when, I, when I've encountered people who work through stuff in that way, too, and, you know, again, and sometimes I, I have clients or people I connect with where the grief is really deep. In the mm-hmm. sense that to almost bring up the wound at first can make them combative about mm-hmm. because they story to bury it in that sense for mm-hmm. their own survival. But what's interesting right. when it's worked through is like I'll see people sometimes that have worked through their stuff either with me or with other helpers, and then I see them a year or two later, and they you can just tell it's almost like it's a different person yeah. because they're yeah. just lighter 
happier. And you know yeah. I mean? and so it didn't erase what they went through. It just does no. that change how they view it, how they handle it, and, and how much it affects them now, you know, I mean, in terms of yeah. a different perspective. Well, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And it's much easier to appreciate and be grateful for the things that you have in the world around you when you're not in a deep state of grief. So you can appreciate the coffee and you can appreciate the trip to Las Vegas and you can appreciate the snow falling. And these things, they, they percolate into your consciousness. When someone's in a deep state of grief, none of that percolates. None of that is, is even visible to them. They, they really are in a state of gray and they can't yeah. see the colors and they can't, they can't feel they the can't... appreciation. Yeah, the only therapy that would work is like maybe putting them in a room full of puppies, and that might give them a few minutes of. <laughs> I just joke about that. No anyway, one, no one can like, resist a room full of puppies. Let six puppies come and jump on you, or kittens for that matter. And at least for that time, it's really wrong, man. You know what I mean? That's uh, I once, right. I, I, yeah. I once uh, went, I had a friend of mine take me over to a farm where there were two baby um, goats, mm-hmm. and I played goats for like a half hour oh my god the cuteness oh. is like the comprehension <laughs> they're like yeah. charging you know what i mean and jumping on you you know what i mean and you're just like us every single sadness for at least for now is gone you know what yeah. I mean? and that's when people are that traumatized you're right beautiful things are happening and they're not seeing it um they're not in mm-hmm. tune with it this is like a cloud around you, you know, for mm-hmm. lack of better mm-hmm. yeah um, and and you know uh, when we look at that from the perspective of the holistic healing um, modalities, there are there are foods that you could be eating. There are activities you could be engaging in, like playing with a room full of puppies. All of these levels are going to they're going to all impact the the grief, the deep grief that's causing the depression in right. the first place. There's no one silver bullet, but when you pull it all together, then then you have an approach that can be very effective. Yeah, no, I, I I like that. You know, I I, I I talked about that even during the COVID years, that people who had really got hit in the lung area, that the lungs are an area that carry grief for people. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people are like, well, you know, it's more than that. I'm like, it isn't more than that. I'm telling yeah. you, like you said, that 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 in some ways that's everything. People carry that. Um, mm-hmm. You know. It, and I think that that was part of that cleansing. All right, we can, we can go down that road, but we're not going to for a lack of time. Okay, so two things. One, <laughs> I want to put yours here, because you, you can see now, every once in a while I get a guest, and they're like, what will we talk about? I'm like, trust me, the hour will fly by. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trust me. And we're already 20 minutes left, okay? That's what I mean, how quickly this will go by. So I want to um, quickly open up the phone lines. Um, if you'd like to call in and talk to um, uh, and talk to my guest here today, the uh, the guest call in line number is six four six two hundred three nine six six. We'll be here for about another twenty minutes. Again, that number is six four six two hundred three nine six six. I had one or two people jumping in and they jumped out, uh, which does sometimes happen. So we can catch a couple of callers, and I'm laughing because we may end up not getting a caller today, which is fine. We have plenty to talk about that we're going to get into next year anyway. But it cracks me up because I do these shows. People always want to ask me, like, reading questions. When I Sometimes I do just shows where I'm just giving information, and I don't really actually mm-hmm. take calls. It's where everybody wants, like, to ask me a question and get, like, a mini reading. And I'm like, this right. is not the show. Here's a show where we're <laughs> going to do that. This is a joke. Mm-hmm. All right, but that's cool. 
because then uh, it's going to give you information about how you can contact her directly anyway, shortly. But, okay, so that being said, we'll see if any callers jump in. The next thing I want to ask you about while we still have some time is tell me about um, the creation of the Heart's Journey Oracle Cards. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you so much. Well, my my connection to nature um, goes back to my very early, early days, probably even before I was born. Um, and these these heart these heart cards come from the way in which nature can heal us, can help us to heal when we connect with nature. So um, I was already doing my healing work. I was already doing my work as a healer, and I had worked with oracle cards for a couple of decades as a healing tool, meditation tool, guidance tools, ways of tapping in and connecting to our intuition and our higher voices and, and all of that. So I was very familiar with oracle and tarot uh, for that, the, the ways in which we can work with them. I was going through a very difficult time. In, well, no, I'm going to change that word. I was going through a very challenging time in my life as I was coming out of a, my 23-year marriage and all that mm. that entails. And I have little, little kids, my two little daughters. And, and for anyone who's gone through that experience, especially if, if you're the person who's sort of woken up first in the, to the reality of the relationship, it's, it's not an easy path at all. It's, it's fraught. <laughs> um, and I really wanted to be doing the best I could with what I knew at the time. And so I, I sort of looked up literally to the, you know, the heavens, the skies, and I said very dramatically, okay, universe, give me a sign. And when I see that sign, I'll know that I'm following my heart above all other voices. And I'm, you know, I'm, it'll just be my reminder to stay true to what, what matters to me and, the, and the, my loved ones. And I, I looked down at the ground, and the first thing I saw was a heart-shaped rock. And mm. I could almost hear the universe laughing. I was like, okay, you guys have such a great sense of humor. So I'm asking for heart direction, and you're giving me hearts. Okay, I'll go with it. And so I did. I started to see hearts everywhere, and not always in nature. Sometimes it was on the side of a building someone had spray-painted. But more than not, it was in you know, a heart-shaped cloud or a heart-shaped leaf or roots or something. And it was so profound, and it was happening so often uh, two or three times a day that I started to take photographs of them on my cell phone. And I just, I kept the photographs to myself. And when things were really, really painful and, and really um, challenging, I would open up my phone and I would start going through the hearts. And as I would go through the pictures, I'd start to calm down and I, you know, take a breath and come back to my heart and then move forward with whatever needed to, to happen. And so fast forward to two years later, and I'm now out of that marriage and my daughters and I are setting up our new home and I'm having to take my I'm choosing to take my healing practice from something that was part-time to this is now full-time and this is what has to keep food on the table and I started to get that nudge if you've ever had that nudge that little like prod at the back of the head that says this is the thing you need to do you need to do this and what I needed to do was to offer these heart images to other people as healing tools and why don't you make them into a deck of oracle cards? That'd be a fun thing to do. Um, and for anyone who's ever written a book or done anything creative of this nature, uh, there's that. at least I've experienced a sense of, wait a minute, who am I to create a deck of oracle cards? There's so many beautiful right. cards out there. Who am I to do this? And I heard really loudly from wherever that voice comes from, who are you not to? Who are you not to do this? And I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> I better do this. Right. <laughs> So I, I did. I started to share the, the, the photos. I started first on my Facebook page and started sharing them and, and just writing a little thing about, you know, what this heart meant to me. And, and people loved it. And 
and they started sharing their hearts. And we started this kind of like a mini heart movement. And, and people right. from all over the world were, were connecting to this idea. And, and they were suddenly they were seeing hearts all over the place. So, so as I started to develop the, I had another one of those nudges that said, you need to share your story. And in, in all the decks that I've ever worked with, um, and they've all been beautiful decks, but what's been missing for me is the connection to the author. Like, what's the motivation for creating that particular style of of cards right. or of tarot? You know, where's that where's that coming from? And so I decided that in order for people to really be able to deeply work with these hearts and feel a really deep connection to them, I was going to have to be vulnerable and share my story of what it was like to be coming out of that marriage and that relationship and how these hearts were so important and such a... Um, like a touchstone for me. So in the in the box set that the heart cards come in, the person they what you receive is the guidebook, which like to be in this relate this religion religion, but they be in this relationship. <laughs> it was kind of like a religion actually <laughs> at the time, and coming out of it, uh, and then what oracle cards are, you know, how to work with oracle cards because that's another thing that isn't always done in depth in a lot of oracle card decks are different ways to work with them why they work the way they do how to do different kinds of readings so that's the chapter that's in there and then each card has a full color photo with the message that's on it and then a deeper message that each of the cards has so it, it really is like an immersion into the world of oracle and the world of healing our hearts and the world of being in relationship and then because when we work with oracle cards there's a lot of information that can come in we don't always remember what that aha moment is or what that thought is when we take that first card so there's a journal that i created as well with my photography and um, spaces where people can then write down the cards that they received and what their insights were around those cards and then of course you get the deck of cards there's 42 full color cards and each each of those photos this, the message that's on the back of each of those cards is something that was of my experience. So right. that in itself is that continues to tell the story um, of what that was, of what it was like, and not only what it was like, but how it was that I moved through it and 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 came out on the other side in a good place. Because that, when we share those stories, that's where the motivation can come from. When somebody is so convinced, like I was at the time when I was in all of that, that no one in the world could possibly be going through what I had gone through, which, of course, is ridiculous, but that's what we sometimes right. think when we're in those moments, right? Um, when we hear, we learn that someone else has, there's a, there's a camaraderie, and there's also that, that sense of, oh, wow, well, how did you do it? You know, how is it that you are now in love again with someone new, and how is it that you're, you're in a healthy relationship? Like, what did you do? Right, so so that is a, another aspect of it, uh, and then just for fun, you get a pen and you get a bookmark. So you've got everything you need in this neat little box you can carry around with you to to do yeah. your heart work. Do you? I, I know. I'm sure they probably can access it through your website anyway. But I, I, are they? Can they find the cards on Amazon, places like that, or is it is it just directly through you at this point? 
if anyone's interested no, no, in the cards. No, they can find them um, at yeah, Amazon, Ingram's, Indigo. They're they're available through Bay, uh, Balboa and Hay House. So we published with Hay House, uh, and then we also worked with the self-publishing arm uh, Balboa. So they're available okay. through those websites. And then, yes, you can get them on my website as well. You can buy them directly from me. And what, what a lot of people like to do if they're buying them directly from me is have me personalize the, the book for them. Like maybe if it's for their best friend who's just gone through a separation, I can write in that, you know, blessings on your journey, Sarah, or whatever it is. So I can personalize it when people purchase it through me. I'm really happy to do that. That's a nice head of touch, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's uh, we're, we're 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 down to our last ten minutes here. So let's uh, maybe we'll have you pull a card. Either maybe you can pull one for me, or you can just pull one for a general message for anyone listening. Whichever you think is more preferable, we can go with and see what you sure. get from that. Yeah. Well, why don't I pull one first for the collective? Uh, and then I can right. pull one for you. Okay. Okay. So just tap, tapping into the collective energy right now. This is this beautiful card. It's called Heart Voice. And I can describe it to you. Basically what we're looking at is there's this beautiful, smooth, heart-shaped stone mm-hmm. on a beach. And next to it is an oyster shell. An oyster is a type of a bivalve for people who don't know. And the shape of the shell looks like a face. And it looks like the face is whispering the shape of the heart, like as if the heart were a, a word bubble, right? So that's, that's what it looks like. And then it's on this beautiful beach. It's all rocky. And, and, and then the first message, are you listening and allowing the words of another's affection to be true? Or are you doubting the validity of their emotions and words? Listen, you may hear the truth of their words and allow them to love you. All right. So just sit with that for a moment and think about what that, what the meaning of that is. You know, how often, because we aren't, we aren't so confident necessarily in our love for ourselves, when someone says, I love you, or someone says, you're beautiful, or someone says, you matter to me, do we dismiss that? Do we deflect that? Because we don't know what to do with it. And so that card is asking you to be mindful and aware of when you receive acknowledgement and compliments and find ways of letting it be true for you, right? And, and allowing, allowing it to shift something within you when you just sit and allow that compliment to be received by you. Um, yeah. And then if you go, when we go, yeah, when we go into the guidebook, if we've got time, I'll just quickly read the, the deeper meaning of that card. I love how the oyster shell in this heart rock photo looks as though it would whisper love. Has it ever been your experience to have someone tell you how you are feeling or to protest your declarations of feelings for them, following an I love you with a dismissive no you don't? What if you could move beyond your doubts and really listen to what the other person is saying? What if you could say I hear you? Communication is the sensation of having of it being safe to speak and be heard. This heart shell and heart rock ask you to release any wounding around not being heard and believed by another in matters of love, or to stop telling someone else how they feel about you. 
own your truth and allow the other to own theirs and then begin the conversation again. Yeah, that's very good. You know, I think that's definitely a universal message for a lot of people here because I have a, a number of, of clients and, and friends, too, that are going through a lot of relationship turmoil right now, mm-hmm. and that's a big statement, um, but it's applicative at the same time. And I think, you know, what you touched upon with that is, is very, very significant. I think um, people, you know, question other people's communication and language toward them and what they're saying, you know, through their own lens of what they believe. So, again, I, I like that kind of line you said where it's like if someone says they love you, and no, you don't, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is a kind of refusal um, to acknowledge that and also to understand, like, to me, that people have different love languages mm-hmm. and how they express Absolutely. That's so significant. I've been really talking with a lot of people about that of late because I see there's something in the collective about that that is is going down the pike. So I think that's a perfect card uh, for Mm -hmm. people to hear. So I'll I'll, I'll be passing this issue along to a few people specifically (laughs) so they hear that uh, (laughs) later on. Well, I also Mm – no, go ahead. Sorry. No. Yeah, that's it. Right. I did pull a no. card for you. Okay, time another five Actually, minutes. So, okay, can I can I quickly share them with you, or do you want me to wait till later? <laughs> I can always email. Oh no, no, you can share it with me. No, no, we're we're good. Yeah, I, okay. I have no. I am not a person that has any like chain. You can any any subject. I can talk about love, hate, and I can talk about whether my snot is clear right now. I mean, there's no. I have no. <laughs> I'm not a person with many barriers, so I don't have to worry about it. I'll okay. gladly share. Well, I hope your snot is clear right now. <laughs> yeah. I just blew my nose. That's what made me think about that. Right? <laughs> so. That's awesome. Well, when I pulled the one card for you, another one came out, so you actually got two cards. And the first one is called the Child's Heart, and it's this wobbly-looking big heart stone on the, on the beach. And the message is, be, be patient and loving with your inner love child. Let her out to play at making love cards simply because it is fun. Be silly in love and allow it to be a true expression of yourself. So that's really just about not taking your seriously. We obviously don't. Um, you know, keep having fun when it comes to. And then the other one is called heart. And the message on this card is, are you listening when your heart speaks? Symbols are all around you, directing you to the path you may have strayed from. Listen to your heart above all other voices. And again, it's it's that reminder of you're on your path and it's your choice to stay on the path or go off the path and neither is right or wrong. Um, and just to let it to let it be, you know, which I think you all you do that already. And so this is that that um, validation or reminder that you're this is what you're doing. And that's a, it's a good thing. <laughs> that's what I get from it. Yeah, you know, and I'll, to give you a little insight into that from, from how I'm receiving it, you know, I, I, I started writing another book about a year and a half ago, completely mm-hmm. from the realm of what I normally do, which is normally writing metaphysical material. And mm-hmm. I literally started writing just a pure comedy book, just like it's <laughs> called My Cast of Characters, and I'm, 
I just have vivid memories of so many different friends and relationships and my parents and my siblings. And like, I'm such a wise ass that like, I love them <laughs> even when they were torturing me. You know what I mean? In some ways too. Mm -hmm. so it's like this very comedic book that I wrote and I, I finished the book and I'm working at getting it published. Um, and it, it was a kind of an interesting stretch because it had to really just do with that whole more playful part of me to allow that right. out, which was all suspect. Mm -hmm. So people were like, talk that way, Jim, you're being, you know, you're being a wise ass. You know what I mean? And I was like, you don't mm -hmm. seem to understand. Like, I'm good at it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> people, I'll yeah. tell a story and I'll say something funny, even racist. And I never say things because I'm actually racist. Sometimes I say racist things to make fun of people that are actually racist. People mm -hmm. don't understand mm -hmm. Like, I'm actually right. making fun of the ludicrous idea of thinking that way. But... So that's part yeah. of that playfulness. And I think the second card has a lot to do with, like, you know, I've gotten good about not listening to the, you know, the negative voices around me of fear and doubt and paying attention mm -hmm. to my, what tells me. And the funny thing is when I do and I just follow my natural rhythms, um, mm -hmm. things really often come easy for me, weirdly. Yes. Yes. Because there's nothing <laughs> to block it. I mean, it's just That's like, right. you know, I always have to remind myself of that, you know, I was dealing with some financial stuff and I was like, you know, you never think about how, you never think about writing a story, Jim. Like if I decide mm -hmm. to write a story, I never worry about whether it'll be good, whether I'll be able to write it, whether, I mean, I just, mm -hmm. I sit down with, do it good. And there's like a billion of them in my head too. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yes. what do I have to take perspective toward financial stuff that mm -hmm. whatever I turn to gold. You know what I mean? In other words, I don't have to have fear and worry about that. It's just something that yeah. is natural to me in that way. So that's what I take right. from that, if, uh, if that's a, a helpful insight um, and you think that that fits. Well, it's, it's more if you think that's it. <laughs> yeah, right? and I do. It, uh, exactly. It, yeah, no, it, yeah. it does. It's, it feels, feels like a fit. doesn't have to be, but it feels like a fit, so that's great. Yeah, I whole heart thing is interesting because, like, I think everyone gets different symbols in different ways. Like, a lot of times whenever I'm doubting or questioning something, for me, it's white mm -hmm. feathers. White feathers. Mm -hmm. will just, I mean, yeah. You, I like to be in my car. It'll be, you know what I mean, white feathers. So, hearts are yeah. certainly beautiful. Well, okay, that being said, as you may have heard, we're, we're coming to our end here. So, what I want to do is I want you to um, take this next minute and a half, tell people how they can get in touch with you uh, specifically, website, sure, all that yeah. good stuff. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The website is meganedge.ca, M-E-G-A-N-E-D-G-E.ca, um, and there's all kinds of great information on there and, and ways that you can reach out to me and connect with me. I have a YouTube channel as well that's got over 300 videos, workshops, um, my own video podcast. There's a lot of my radio show that I that I've done in the in the past. There's lots and tons of information on YouTube. So there's ways that you can work with how I do my work through those videos and those workshops. And then you can always reach out to me if you want to work one on one and do personal work with me. You can find me on LinkedIn under Megan Edge Healing or Megan Edge, and you can find me on Facebook uh, under Megan Edge and under Beyond the Gate Botanical. So like you, I have a lot of projects on the go, and I have a few different aspects of my business. And 
Beyond the get Edge Botanicals is where I, I teach people about foraging and working with plants, medicine, and plant energy. And um, I also have a line of botanicals that I make um, from foraged materials from the forests and the beach. So all of that can be found through uh, Megan Edge Botanicals. And on um, Instagram, at, I'm not actually sure what the Instagram is, but I think if you just look up yeah. Megan Edge or Megan Edge Botanicals Probably. or Beyond the Garden Gate Botanicals, you'll, you'll find me there. So those are some of the ways that people can reach out and, yeah. and um, get in touch with me. And, and for everyone's uh, edification as well, you know, right here on Blog Talk Radio, you can find that link to her website also, and that should probably get you uh, some access to these different things. So uh, very good. Thank you for, for joining me today, Megan. Uh, you did a great job. It was really uh, uh, some great, uh, great uh, discussion. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. I had a really great time. It's great to connect with you. All right. Well, you have a good night, and uh, thanks, everybody, for, for, for joining me today. Uh, till next time. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.